right, we are back with another episode, episode six. This is going to be a fun one, I think. So this is the topic this this week, or this morning, I guess this is Thursday, is going to be things I wish I, my younger self knew. I, I was going to, I'm trying not to botch the title so bad. <laughs> so um, Power BI has been out for quite a while. It's been out, I mean, the, the desktop has been out for about five years, a little bit over, a little bit over five years now. And these are things that we, we wish we could have gone back five years and told ourselves. So this will be, this will be an interesting topic. And, and again, I'm probably going to diverge. I'm going to be apologizing right now. This is, this is a topic that's kind of near and dear to my heart, particularly around people who are newer in careers, working, whatever. I really enjoy talking about things that I learned uh, and being able to share those with other people so they, they can either glean some insight or do something differently than I did it. So thoughts on Power BI being five. I'll, I'll kick it over to Tommy. I'll, Tommy's got some thoughts. Go ahead and well, start us the, off. The best part about today's episode is if you actually listen to the previous ones, this this may be the first time that we say this is a deep topic or this is, you know, this is a big conversation. Every other episode we've done, it's always basically starting with like, well, this is a huge topic to uncover. So this one's a little yeah. more, you know, almost sharing stories and um kind of just reflecting on what five years have been. Yeah. Um, I I will always go back to Seth on his, he uh, posted once the five-year anniversary came up and he said, I can finally write on resumes and uh, applications that I have five plus years experience. <laughs> That's awesome. That's true. Because it's true. Like the, the, it would always be like, how many years of experience do you have using Power BI? You're like three, well, four, three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is funny because this is also Good. when you look at resumes, you look at resumes and you go, oh, okay, you've got 15 years of Power BI experience. Hmm, uh, that's interesting. You're totally right? BSing me right now. <laughs> yeah, that was that was always hilarious. Uh, two years in with, you know, meeting people with six or seven years of Power BI experience. Yes. And, like, it, it really is, like, when do you think Power BI started, right? Not, not the components of Power BI, right? Like, analysis services, you know, Power View. Power Query, yeah, those are all like pieces of things over here, you know. But they they weren't the, they weren't the whole package. Let's put it that way. I'd agree. It was parts By of the an way, early program. Of interviews. You guys have the interview last week. Did I'm sure you guys asked the question? Do you know the difference between an implicit and explicit measure? Always. What did they did I, they know the answer? Um, about thirty percent, maybe. I say yeah. I say even less than that, honestly. That people don't understand. Yeah. And, it could just be because you know, I, I mean, the 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 words, right? Like, do you drag and drop it or do you create it, right? Versus, it, it, you know, it, a lot of times people don't. They have to think about, you know, what does explicit measure mean? You know, um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I this is so. This is a good question, particularly around that. So, implicit versus explicit. I think you find that a bit more when you're working with models that require you to have explicit measures. So if you're building analyzing Excel type reports, you're more familiar with, oh yeah, I gotta make a measure so that I can use it in Excel. Like that's something you have to do. So I think part of your workflow or your work pattern decides a little bit whether or not you're actually gonna be understanding what implicit and explicit measures are. I'm actually seeing guidance now. So um, Ed Hansen, I think is his name out of Southern California. He's now providing guidance that there should be no there should be no numerical columns shown in your data model. Everything should be explicitly called out. And as I'm thinking about it and building other models now, even smaller ones, I'm teaching some classes now at UWM University, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And that's one thing I think is a, I think it's a good practice. I really like that one. That, that would be one I would say, I mean, shoot, man, things, things I, I'm going to, I wish I would have told myself later on, my early data models are messy. I'm way better at yeah. modeling now than I was back then. And I would have told myself, go read Marco Russo's book much earlier. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really intrigued with, because again, the, the idea for today's um, episode or kind of the topic is, again, that reflection on, like, just who knew 10 years ago that we'd be doing a podcast about something like Power BI, like, you know, like business intelligence. Again, we all had different backgrounds mechanical engineering like i had yep. no idea that was so uh you know so let's so let's do that i think i, I think it's a good lead in tommy so let's where were we 
five years ago? Let's just start with like a baseline. Like what were you doing five years ago when Power BI just came out? I'll go first. Yeah, you go first, Tommy. What were you doing five years ago? So I, w I was working at a company when I was doing analytics, but it was really kind of focused on the web analytics and marketing. Sure. Um, and like, just like from implementing tracking on the site and tag manager and a lot, just a lot of Google analytics and paid search, uh, data. Sure. Um, and I never considered the term business intelligence. Had I known this in college, <laughs> I mean, granted my college yeah. was very unique. Had I known what statistics was in college, I probably would have done that. But, uh, <laughs> here I am with the sociology degree. I was going to say, what so, was your, I don't even know your degree sociology. All right. Sociology. So, because I was going to initially do philosophy and then I switched to sociology because it was absolutely in like, uh, just so very interesting and fun for me. But then once you graduate, you have to realize I need to do something with this, but that's another story for another <laughs> podcast. Um, that's okay. This is good. This is good advice. You know, would yeah. you, would you have, would you have recommended to yourself again? I'm going to diverge here a bit. Yeah. Would you have recommended to yourself do sociology? Or would you have said, look at something else from a career standpoint? You mean like if I came back and yeah. told myself? If you could go oh, back. Yeah. yeah. So, well, maybe because honestly, the sociology had a lot of behavior. And a lot, honestly, modern sociology deals with a lot of data. Sure. Oh, yeah. A lot of statistics. Okay. Um, which I've never made that correlation until probably Power BI came. I was like, oh, yeah. I've always liked this. You know, yeah, but yeah. It was just that understanding because it was always, you know, we were always diving into variables, whether, you know, you were looking at a data set or, you know, you're looking at, uh, you know, like it rained a lot in England. Therefore, a lot of people are, you know, clinically depressed. Is there a correlation? So like what mm. variable? So mm -hmm. I, that's always affected my my way. I, you know, in a sense, uh, approach analysis or any data set kind yeah. of thing, like not with a skepticism, but with, you know, what variables are affecting this? Yeah, yeah, I like it. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so that's where I was. Okay. Five years ago, with more or less green. <laughs> I know you were a mechanical engineer. You you were already doing Excel, so you were way ahead of the game. <laughs> yes and no. Yes and no. So let me kick it over. I'll kick it over to Seth, and I'll follow up here at the. I'll close it out. So oh, Seth takes a drink of coffee. Sorry. Yeah, gonna gonna take up twenty minutes. Is that why? Because uh, he. <laughs> no, no. I'll try and keep it short. <laughs> Mike loves talking. That's a true um, statement. Yeah, five five years ago. So I had just started consulting uh, in a an organization that um, was just spinning up a BI department. So uh, we were a Microsoft shop. I'm a, a Microsoft guy. So reporting services, you know, um, wasn't the glamour uh, that that it may have been 20 years ago. And uh, was looking for different things, you know, that would help enable businesses to you know get insights. Mm -hmm. So it was really the first time that I kind of dug heavily into Power View uh, and Power Maps that, that were out. I, I thought those were slick, the 3D renderings that you could do in, in Excel, but you know, packaged up in Excel, it was kind of a hard sell on enterprise level customers or anything. And um, that's that's right about the time, you know, maybe two months into that is when the first version of Power BI came out, which was very similar to like Power View. Right. It was almost a carbon copy. The only difference was they, you know, put it in a shell of SharePoint where you had tiles that slid, you know, and that was the dashboard. And and I'm so glad they moved away from that direction. You know, like it was SSRS and sh everything was in SharePoint and it was just overkill in yeah. a framework for something that just didn't belong there. So um, V2 was a very very significant um not only thing for for microsoft but it, it was a big deal when when, it, when i i loved that thing from from day one mm -hmm. it um and, and you know kind of a from from there on it was it was pretty um pretty much power bi all the time so uh I, that's where i was five years ago i kind of kind of jumped into it and then obviously you know recommendations for you know what i would have taught myself but yeah, definitely. That's what I was doing. So rounding out, Michael, so actually by the time Power BI had come out, so right around that time, I was heavy Excel user, but I had already left engineering, honestly. So I was doing mechanical engineering for a number of years, 
I had already left that department and was actually in the analytics department of the company. I was actually running a call center at the time. And my job was to take the call center work and minimize it, make it efficient. And so I was able to take a job that took two people to do, got it down to about 30% of my time to run the call center. And I'm just kind of building documentation, Mm. building process for people to answer questions. And I was heavily involved with Power BI, heavily involved with the analytics efforts. And we were just beating up Excel to no end. I was actually in the category management team helping them out a lot with products and product mixes and blends of things um, to make sure that they had the right mix of what's going on. So that's where I was when it started. Hang on a second. My wife is now vacuuming upstairs and she needs to stop <laughs> doing that. I, I don't hear it. I can, I can hear anything. Okay. I think you're in the clear. Okay, we're, we're probably in the clear. Anyways. Uh, are we recording? Are we still recording? <laughs> is this still on? <laughs> Um, so anyways, uh, that, that was kind of me in a nutshell. That was, I was at that space. I played with SharePoint BI a little bit and it was annoying to say the least. It was cool because I could click on things. Uh, I did power view inside Excel. I thought that was really cool, but you could see kind of like very early on in this very early stage, like they wanted to be online. They wanted to be in SharePoint, a a browser type Mm -hmm. thing. And then they had on top of it, they need to have like, the the excel version of this like excel was the bi tool for businesses Mm -hmm. so you could see them kind of fighting a little bit in those early stages where they were fighting between the sharepoint side and the bi side in excel and they didn't really know what to do so they had put a bunch of these add-ins with excel it was not really gaining i think the success that they wanted and so i was this huge advocate of power query and someone i was having issues with um, volumes of data and i remember someone saying hey have you heard this thing about power query just kind of came out you should check it out it's an add-in 2013 Excel ad, and I'll try that. And so I started playing with Power Query first, and I thought, holy smokes, this is really efficient. And that's what really hooked me initially. And from there, the Power BI program was released, and it kind of started from there. So that was kind of me about five years ago. You know, you bring up a really interesting point that I'd forgotten is, you know, which 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 product owns it, right? And, yeah. and within Microsoft, you know, my, my brother works there, like you have the Excel team. Yep. You have the SharePoint team, mm-hmm. you have this team, you know, so it makes sense that like you, you can almost see the battle of like, well, Power BI is going to live here. Well, n- now I got to plug it into this team and how does that work? Yep. And, and one of the things I always loved or early on with Power BI was, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to be horribly embarrassed if I'm wrong about this, but it like Satya took over. Right. And fundamentally, there were huge shifts at Microsoft, just how the organization ran and worked. And I always tied Power BI to that new way of, of thinking in, in it being this, you know, singular product that tied groups and technologies from the Microsoft stack together and like was just a a great representation of um how the organization was was morphing into a, a new thing, and mm-hmm. and that that just spurred that memory of of you know Power BI being a unique product, and I way think, way early on. I think from what we understand, again, we don't know exactly all the details here around this stuff, but I no. believe James Phillips was one yeah. of the ones pushing for Microsoft to pull Power BI out of whatever mm-hmm. tools it was in and say. We need to have a dedicated team to move quickly and build something that is separate from all the other things. And honestly, I think that was a brilliant move because it was able to, at the time, Tableau, five years ago, Tableau was already very established yeah. in a, as a data yeah. reporting tool. It was, it was, they have this, Tableau has this um, land and spread type mentality, right? They get one person in your organization to, to start it. They like it. People like the visuals that come out of it. It's a good tool. And then the idea is they spread from that one person. It, it invades mm-hmm. multiple people mm-hmm. in that department. Uh, you know, they make it kind of easy to get going, and then from there, kind of weed it out across the organization. So then, entire organizations are adopting Tableau. But at that time, they were entrenched. They've already been around for five years. Yeah. So they that so, was the BI yeah. tool you get. And I think the three of us are very unique in terms of. Like the, I'm sure with the people you interview or, uh, you know, they've maybe been using Power BI for a couple of years, but three of us are very unique because we all started at the origin, you know, when it was yeah. Power BI designer. The and, beginning. Um, because I, I had no experience with like, you know, uh, a, a tablet or model 
um, obviously DAX kind of thing. Um, yeah. Obviously, we I would build some reports, but I really relied, you know, like it was it was mostly Excel and it wasn't a lot of visuals, yes. so to speak. You know, like it would be like putting a visual and you know some tool and then putting in a, a slide, yep. but not nothing compared to like the idea of a data model. Correct. You know, and I think um, you and I, and Tommy, have they, no clue about this. This is an area that's all new to us. Seth, this was something common to you. Like you understood. Yeah, I was working on SQL models yeah. before Power Yeah. Yeah. But we all started again, like when, like, it's kind of kind of neat because no one else can, even, even if someone starts in Power BI today, you know, there's already so much, you know, like set up for them, you know, uh, with the resources and the framework. Like we all downloaded Power BI Designer. Oh, I got, I got know. two copies of it. <laughs> yeah. You still have it? I still have. I download every single month. I download a version of. I am a klepto for Power BI desktops. I guess you, you, I hang on to them all. I've got hundreds of downloads of all the different desktops, and I'll have multiples per month because sometimes they version it yeah, within the month. Yeah. So I'll, a couple months, I'll have two versions of Power BI Desktop. One of these days, I'm going to start a virtual machine, and we're going to install That's the, the very first the designer. designer. And I'm going to make you build a report, gonna... and we're going to just swear because it's so different than yeah. what it is now. But at the same time, so we all kind of came into it again, like almost, um, you know, from because now – uh, if you did a tabular model before, like a Power BI professional or someone who really manages it, especially yeah. back then, kind of wore every hat. Yeah. The connecting to data, the data modeling, maybe some developing for like an API to connect because they already have that capability. Yep. Uh, all, DAX, data visualization, uh, and that, you know, obviously then sharing. You had to do all of that. Agreed. Usually and discover that. And I think, again, we're very new people because, like, what is all of this? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I remember all my reports in the beginning were like, you know, like the length was ridiculous. How many pie charts and you just had to scroll on every page. And it was just more or less like the almost like you just started building without understanding in a sense anything like, oh, you can do that. Oh, you can do this. But um, yeah. that's what I remember from the from the get go. There, there's something really unique and and I think in general special about being part of something that originates, you know, because the I, I remember the first data insights on it, like every single Microsoft person that I ran into all the way up to the, the tier. Um, and I think I got to meet James as well was, was I, I literally astonished. Like, like the reaction of how big Power BI was was mm -hmm. growing and how fast the community kind of latched onto it should have been indicative of, you know, Microsoft needing a BI tool that was a little bit different than SRS. But, I mean, you, you don't get that, right, when you come in later. However, right, it, I, I th like the caveat I want to make is when, when I, five years ago, was like the, my pivot point to of getting into community. Like I had just started going to like SQL Saturdays. Yep. And I was intimidated as all get with these people who had been in the thing for 10 or 15 years. And how, like, even if I wanted to speak, you know, what would that look like? What if I say something dumb or I don't, you know, have to, you know, stick on to something. And um, it was just very, like, I would say like, no matter what, no matter when you come in, keep, keep, you know, stick, stick, stick to doing it, yeah. you know, do it, just, just jump into it. I think that's a good layer of advice. And even now I'll tell people today, um, working with individuals, if you're interested in a user group, start one. If you're interested in writing a blog, start one, find people who are like-minded and help them out. So actually there's a lot of people in the community already that are doing things. Tommy runs the Chicago user group and you've been pretty much running that sucker by yourself. For a number of years, yeah, Tommy. For two years, uh, since uh, March of 2019. So if you're in Chicago and you like Power BI and you want to give Tommy a hand, Tommy could use a hand. <laughs> so he's a speaker. <laughs> so but I, I, I would definitely say that is one of my key advices. Uh, advice? Uh, pieces of advice, I guess it would be, is if you are interested, get involved with the community. Because uh, the community, you can learn a lot from them, as well as contribute back to other individuals and and help other people's journey with Power BI as well. Yeah. So so now that we're back five years in our younger selves, so Tommy Tommy, what are what are some things that, that you would tell your current self? Or, you know, or things you wish you knew, right? 
as as I kind of reflecting on what to share today, I realized some of these were also things I probably should tell myself now too, which is more of a personality <laughs> thing, regardless of outside of Power BI. But I I think the biggest thing was when when we started adopting and you know, saying, okay, we're going to use Power BI. So we started building reports and, you know, you had actually like send a screenshot of the picture because you couldn't refresh it at the time. And you were just, you know, importing uh, files. I think the biggest thing was I had like, ex when I was so fascinated and so just like, um, you know, kind of like, yeah, smitten with Power BI that I wanted to learn, you know, like I wanted to figure out how to do something like why wasn't a certain number showing, you know, the number that I was expecting it to see, whether it was a DAX formula or I, something that I was trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. And I really have to, I wish I could go back and tell myself, watch your rabbit holes. Hmm. Um, you know, like I, I, I would spend hours, hours either trying to, you know, uh, display something or, uh, you know, model something in a way that, uh, just, uh, in a way that I thought would be really neat to do, but had nothing to do with the request. It was just wasted hours, uh, you know, and it was nothing, it wasn't a ticket. Usually it was, you know, working on a report for someone and going, Oh, you know, it'd be cool. And then it's like, well, how do you do that? Yeah. And then there's up me 50 tabs open in Google Chrome. Yep. And you know, there's, 18 measures created, you know, with different names, uh, just trying to figure out okay, what's the right way to do this. And all the amount of time, you know, I think some of that time is valuable because you do learn that way, you know, like, oh, if mm -hmm. you can test out, but I think especially, you know, the first few years, and again, even now I have to watch myself, but especially then as you're learning everything, you know, like what, you know, what does this do? Um, I think I, I probably didn't spend about like time in an impactful way where I could have said, okay, I'm going to co commit two hours of this. Yeah. If I can't figure it out, then we have to move on. Yeah. Time, so time me, blocking. I, I so you're saying, I, you're saying I need to time block things. Yeah. Set, like, set a goal, set some time, use the time. And then when you've done right. the spike of time, this is with the sprinting thing, right? Yeah. Set a spike, do two hours and then move on. I agree like, with that. Give, yeah, give That's myself really like advice. an hour of R&D kind of thing, yep. uh, you know, like uh, uh, a day or a week. Yep. And then everything else, like just try to focus on uh, the building the reports that, you know, building what you're supposed to do or do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. But I think I would spend hours working on something that was trivial. Yeah. Yeah. That's a just good point. because I wanted to figure it out, so to speak. I I, I would say one of, one of mine fits into that. And it's, it's fundamental, like kind of one of the same thing, right? is um dax fundamentals mm. like, i i would i would have i would recommend that anybody starting out just like start with dax fundamentals and because it's something you have to practice you yeah. have mm -hmm. to practice in order to not go down those rabbit holes or at least limit them right, right. because I think so many of us come from different backgrounds and things, you know, you have a little bit of Excel, you have a little bit of SQL, you have, you know, even if you do know analysis services a bit, um, you're, you're going to find yourself in a position where if you knew more of the fundamentals of DAX, you'd easily be able to do something as opposed to um, going down these really long lab rabbit holes. And Mike, you do something even today that, that I, I love. And it's um, whatever the problem is, simplify that yes. by having a small sample of data yep. that represents mm. what you're, you know, represents your data set, mm -hmm. the one thing you're yeah. trying to do and use tables. Yep. So, so if you do that 100%. and take the DAX one minute, you're, you're removing a ton of the ambiguity that just normal data brings to a problem mm. and, and breaking it down to the very fundamentals of like, I am trying to do this thing with DAX yes. and, and, it, it clarifies a lot of things. So I, so to explain what I, what my my method here. So I have a method. This is what Seth is referring to the method and how I break down a particular issue. So again, this is another a different set of advice, but I would also recommend this to anyone new starting out. When you think about creating or solving problems, essentially, right? What, what Seth is describing is someone would come to me and say, "Hey, I need to build this measure, or I want this interaction or this UI kind of interaction." So instead of going to the actual data set, which may have hundreds of thousands of rows, or if I'm using M, there may be a lot of information in there. 
And what I'll do is I'll take out the data types of those types of columns. I'll whip over to Excel and I'll just mock up a very simple 30 or 40 row table that is representative of the data. It's clean. I can then quickly calculate and verify that the calculations work correctly. And then I'll take that and then literally copy paste it and you know add data to an, a blank Excel file, put this dummy data, and it, it again, it has no bearing or representation of the real stuff. And the re there was two purpose for this. And this is one a piece of advice I would definitely give everyone. If you're ever trying to do something, try to do, try to tackle more than one problem at once. Do, if, you're doing, if you're doing an activity where you're only solving one problem, you, you're inefficient and you should be thinking about how you can solve this problem twofold. So the idea here was I would build these dummy data sets, solve my DAX problem, and now I had a dummy data set and a representation that I could then portray inside a blog article. So what I was doing is I was working on client work. I was building dummy data sets that were representative of what, of what they were trying to solve. I was figuring out a solution. So that was one thing I was you know, paying for my, my time. But on the second half of that, it was I was actually able to make a dummy data set that I could then blog about later on and then teach back to the community. So now I was doing two bits of work. I was actually solving problems for clients as well as solving problems that general people would have as well. And that was part of my learning and teaching mechanism there. So I, I would definitely say that was uh, a good thing. That's the pattern I use. And I would highly recommend that to anyone starting out. And I would also agree with the DAX fundamentals. I didn't understand how the DAX engine ran. And there's really no good books to describe how it's working like at a very basic level and then work your way into these harder calculations. So I think one of my other big challenges I have, I'll, I'll dovetail this into my idea here, was I overbuilt DAX measures. My mm -hmm. DAX measures were way too complex. And what I should have been doing yeah. is I should have been doing more simplification, more data engineering on the backside, either in M or pushing it further upstream into SQL. And I learned that, you learn that because you do a couple things in M and you're like, ah, now my computer's mm -hmm. out of memory. It doesn't yeah. load or it's loading too slow. And then you start figuring out, well, I better push this upstream to where the SQL server or whatever backend compute engine is able to shape the data like. And so now you start, you start learning that a bit earlier. And so if your DAX gets very complex, either you've got a really complex report page and you do need that, or you need to add flag columns. You need to add simplifications mm -hmm. to your data upstream. So that's another one I, would, I wish I would have told myself is to simplify my data upstream and make it easier to model. But again, I, I don't think I really knew. I didn't know the interplay between data models and measures so much at that time. So like, yeah. I don't know, you yeah. have to learn that. I remember we had, um, for Power Query, uh, we actually had two Excel files, like a Power, uh, Power Query that connected the SQL that we would do a bunch of transformations, but because it like the overall goal was such a heavy like workload that would load it to Excel to a like a static file. Then the other Excel file would connect to the, the first, first Excel, Excel file, file, do additional transformations, <laughs> and then we connect it to Power BI because you couldn't oh combine the my ones. Goodness. So and just because again, it's like that. With Power BI, you can you can start exploring things. Going, oh, what if you can do this? All of a sudden, you have you know fifty six queries in the query editor. <laughs> yep. You know yep. you, you have you have all these calculated tables. You have measures that don't make sense. Yep. You know, and because you're exploring, and and to me like that, yeah, like I I completely understand like the fundamentals of DAX Power Query and just like having an objective before you open up the report mm -hmm. because my yeah my biggest uh, uh vice is just like going to a discovery or exploring without any any goal in mind yep yes that's a good one you you touched mike on on one of, one of mine which is um write a personal blog right which you did yep or if you if you don't want to get into that thing like start a repository for a quick reference yes because i i remember writing i remember meeting mike at the power bi user group that i started like way back in the day 
and that was when you were talking about starting Power BI Tips, mm-hmm. and you, I, I th- one of your main reasons was what you said. You you have you're learning so much stuff. You just you want to put it down someplace that you can go reference it again. Yeah, and and li- literally that's what like I can't tell you how many times I've gone back and read one of my own blogs because I was like I know uh, I did that. Yeah, exactly. At one point in time, I did that. Yep. <laughs> it was my it was my verbal way. So it was a it was a way of me understanding. Like I would figure something out, I'd learn it. And then I was like, I'm going to document this. And instead, of, and then again, this was like one, this was a very slight mindset shift, right? You can, you can document things and put a bunch of files in your local file directory. Or you can spend just a little extra effort and think, if I'm going to solve this problem, maybe somebody else is too. And so that's really why Power BI.tips started was because I was learning Power BI and I was teaching my organization how to do mm. things. Like they didn't know how to load an Excel file. They didn't know how to X, Y, Z these things. So those were areas where I was like, I just need to learn this. And so I can teach other people about how this works. And that's that's really how it all was born. So I think it was a good move. Uh, and I highly recommend that to other people as well. Yeah. Um, it, I, I want to clarify something re- related to learning DAX fundamentals, right? And, and there was a question in, in, the, in the chat here. Um, when I say learning DAX fundamentals... I mean, not trying to solve the existing problem that is in front of you. It's spending time outside of your your work mm-hmm. to understand what your sum, your average, your calculate with a filter will do. Like you practice the 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 syntax and understand how that's going to behave in tables of information. That's yes. what I mean. Like you yeah. need to go do some legwork because that's going to help you like figure out the the very specific problem that you're trying to solve for visuals, for pr- placing something on a page, for the filter context, all of that. It, you need to build a base. And that's what I mean by learning the DAX fundamentals. So I, I would recommend reading some books on this one. So this is definitely a book recommendation area. <laughs> so insert non-sponsored uh, plugs here. So a book that I have read, which was from Phil Seamark. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at my it's beginning. It's actually on my <laughs> bookshelf. Name. Beginning, beginning DAX with Power BI, and so this is written more of like a sequel lens of the world. So Phil was a Phil Seamark is an amazing was it was an amazing MVP now an employee of Microsoft, which is awesome. But he wrote two books. This is the first of his two books, and it was a very basic like fundamentals of here's how it's working, and it was a very sequel lens to the world. Another one I would recommend, and I don't remember the name of it. It's another Rob Colley book, which I also read also found it incredibly helpful. And that was more of like a Power Query M standpoint. And they were had more of an Excel lens. So I really, I resonated more with the Rob Colley book because it was a pure Excel person moving into Power BI. And that made a lot of sense to me. And it was, frankly, Rob Colley's hilarious. He's got a bunch of like Star Trek references. And I thought it was like from a nerd standpoint, I'm like, this is amazing. So that was, oh, there's another voice. Sorry. No, I was about to say, I was going to say- It's a small voice. <laughs> Mike brought back the small voice again. <laughs> so that was that was one that I, I would highly recommend those books. But I think I really want to hammer on Seth's point here. Fundamentals of DAX is very important. One thing that we find a lot, particularly when we interview people, no one understands real filter context or filter context transitions. So as I, I use a slide when I teach people DAX. And at the beginning part of the slide, it's like sums, sums and averages on columns very easy to understand, makes sense. As you start working your way up this graph, you start looking at harder areas to understand. And on the upper end or the more difficult areas would be like time intelligence, right? I need to do a percent change calculation. How do I build that? What does that formula look like? And then on the very highest end is a filter context and contact filter context transitions. So I can have multiple filter contexts and I can transition the filter context between a visual, a page, and inside the measure itself. So understanding what that filter context is doing, if I give you like a a visual and ask you, what's the filter context? You should be able to look at a chart on a page and say, okay, the filter context is date and the calculation is sum of sales, which is represented by the line. That those are the kind of things that you need to be keenly aware of because then when i add a filter to like the visual the page or the report those are all influencing what the calculation's doing 
And I and again, I think this is the brilliance of the power of the engine. But if people mm-hmm. don't understand that, you start building formulas. And even now, I get requests and for help and clients that ask me like, well, I want to calculate this thing. And I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, what are you trying to calculate? Like, what's the an- what is the goal you're trying to get to here? But they don't understand the engine. Like, they have parts of it, but they don't under comprehend all these things. And that's like like uh, love love those book recommendations. I I, I know Phil's book, um, but like find books that are gonna give you sample representations, right? Like yes, um, SQL BI, right? Definitive Guide yeah. to DAX. I think they have two two versions of that, but like everything they teach is like butted up against. Here's a small sample data set. Um, you dovetailed a little bit into Power Query, so it's worth mentioning Gil Ravi's, you know, Collect, Combine, yep. Transform. Yeah, that book's really phenomenal one. because he basically like built all those sample data sets and provides you a link to like plug into like all of these preformed things that present the challenges that you're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. But it's it's finding that material that allows you to like read a section, try to understand it, and then do it. And the do it part is really really important with this stuff because you have to ingrain that muscle memory the mm-hmm. the 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 i see it i'm doing it kind of thing in order to to you know grok the whole concept of of what's going on behind the scenes all right i'm going to try and grab a couple of these links we've talked about some really good books here i'm going to try and just snag a couple links here for people who are listening in the chat window just in case you want them so the first one here is i'll get phil's book so while you're doing that i'll um uh, I'll I'll throw on another one. I wish I would. I knew, and I started doing it back in the day. But um, oh, hold get on. Involved in the. I, I don't want to. I'm sorry. Yeah. I want to make one point around the books that you mentioned. Oh. I, I want to make sure the definitive guide to get DAX. That is a heavy book. So be you prepared to that. learn in that book. So you need it. But I would say from a very beginner's standpoint. So for you, if you're like, hey, I'm brand new to Power BI. I'm just starting. Be careful with definitive guide to DAX. It is very comprehensive. You may get lost. So I would recommend – so for me, personally, again, how I learn things, I would start with a Rob Colley or a Phil Seamark-type book, and then I would quickly come back with a definitive guide to get DAX because it is very comprehensive. And they're like – they get deep really quick for me. I needed a little bit more basic time in the basic land before I got there. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just wanted to make that quick note oh, around it, the definitive it, guide to DAX. It is a good point, right? I think with the definitive DAX, you're not going to breeze through that book. Correct. Like, Agreed. Like you need each it, though. section requires a, a bit of introspection and Ooh. understanding before you move on to the next one. I would almost – like, yeah. that's a great point. I would almost look at that book like a take it slow, right? Don't move on until you understand what they're what they're telling you and how to do things there. But, like, how to do things in that ecosystem of modeling and DAX – and if you if you start to 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 nail that, you're well on your way. Well, um, I, yeah, I think Mar- Russo even says in the book because it was the, that was the most tra- that book is to change your how you think, like your mindset yes. about filter context. Like when he said when he introduces calculate, I remember in the first version at least he said bookmark this and you know come this back is not, to it. This book is not meant to be like read like a story, you yes, know. So. Yes. Uh, but just to go back over and over to calculate, and I did, I uh, read it over and over just to go like, because it's not something I, I do want to meet someone who reads filter context for the first time and immediately gets it. Yeah, I would agree with you. It's a, it's a new concept and it may, may make more sense to people who are already familiar with SQL and tabular models, right? That probably will make more sense to you, but coming from the Excel world, I had no clue. Yeah. It's a new way to think. Totally agree yeah. with that. Another one in there was Matt Allington. That was, uh, somebody mentioned that in the oh, chat. Yeah. He does a really great job of of describing DAX and spends a lot of time in there as well. Um, the other thing I like, I we, we we always tout community, but what I mean by this is, you know, the community.powerbi.com. Like, mm-hmm. I learned so much, even as I was, you know, jumping into the administration and wanting to like understand the whole ecosystem. I learned so much DAX. I learned so many problem solving techniques because when you're asking and better answering trying to answer some of the questions that people are coming up with because they're mm-hmm. they're bringing business use cases yeah that people are solving with dax and it is the perfect place to like even look up your thing but then read the other scenarios mm-hmm. of how how something's being solved but don't rely on that solely as like i'm going to go find my answer use it as a learning tool is what i would say because that that helped me out a lot 
when when I first started. This is cool. I have another. So I'm at, oh, go ahead. Tell oh, me. go ahead. I was gonna say I have one more other book. I'm actually believe it or not, I get publishers that now send me books, and they're like, "Can you read my book and write a review about it?" So Ooh, I'm actually reading wow. some books from. Yeah, right. I have made it. I get free books every so often. <laughs> So I'm reading other books, and it's very interesting that a lot of – there are so many, like, people getting started on a lot of these books. Um, I will recommend it when I finish reading it. But another book that I'm reading at, it's been good because I, I like looking at the surface area of what these newer features are, what people think new individuals or new users want to see inside books. And um, the, I had a, a book recently just talk about adding R and Python in Power Query in, like, a beginner's guide to learning Power BI. And I think that's to me that's more of like an advanced concept, but it was interesting to see another you know perspective from another writer that this is like a, a, a relevant concept that we would then add into and finding appropriate use cases around all of this stuff. There's, there's as we go through this world, like it's five years in, there's so much content to consume. There, there's it's becoming increasingly hard for even me to keep up with just the releases coming out of desktop and service and all that kind of stuff. So it. it yeah, you just got to start. Don't get overwhelmed. Just get going. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Tommy. No, I, I'm I'm going to shift it a little because we've really been talking about the product and you know what we learned about the product. But I, one of the things I I wish I probably knew as I was learning Power BI because I was so again like focused on you know what can Power BI do mm. that what really suffered and I think what I didn't realize was so important was understanding someone's request or like being able to get the information from someone to build the correct report. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think a request would come in like we need a sales report. So you would, you know, basically just throw everything on the visual. And you, it was always like some, I, every report I wanted to try something new. Every request was basically my own in a sense, like playground. Mm -hmm. And, and then, but then trying to have these meetings and these calls and trying to like, um, extract or, you know, um, you know, understand what the person's needs were. Sure. I, I wish that was something that I understood hmm. early on as a skill. And then the other thing too, I wish I also understood the importance of like, just because I know the report really well and all the numbers and the, you know, things, um, that the ability to communicate that to the people using it. That's another really um, good point. I love I love your your subtle hand slaps, Tommy. You guys are talking about the product too much. <laughs> like, but I, I you know I would say what you just described is where Mike and I spent a ton of our time. Uh, you know, in what two three years is visualization, like like choosing the right visuals, communicating the right, the data through the right you know method, designing a report page, uh, and and communicating like to the end user, the necessary information they would need to digest the report quickly and easily. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like absolutely. Those Distill are it down. like the next, like you, you don't get to there though until what we talked about. Right? right. Like you can't create that, but yes, I absolutely agree. Like visual, like how do you represent data? I think that it is a fantastic point because like I'm an SSRS guy, right? Like you want to see the data? Here's a table. Yeah. yeah, you know, like we didn't have interactive, you know, like line charts and bar charts and stuff. Like it was like you want to, okay, I can aggregate it, but here's a table, <laughs> you know, like right. that was it. So yeah, that's a whole another area, you know, that Power BI opens is, is that whole like yeah. the meaning, right, conveying the right thing in a report page. I'm I'm gonna key off of Tommy's note here around taking a little bit of of a lens away from the product. So. Mm -hmm. What has happened in five years with Michael? I, I left a corporate job. I joined a consulting firm, still kind of being paid as an employee of a company. And then I left that and now started my own business. I, I wish I would have known earlier on of how rapidly fast this tool would grow. I might have made some different decisions kind of earlier on. And I might have accelerated my path or learning, prioritized my learning a bit higher because of the rate of growth that the tool took. So looking back on it now, I would say as my path, as I looked at my path, I would say take strategic risks that are not wild. Let me, let me clarify my phrase there. 
It's okay to take <laughs> yeah, the right look. Look. So in, there was a big movement. I was really scared to leave like a corporate business and move into like consulting because I was like, are people going to listen to me? Do I know what I'm talking about? And and looking back on this, I would have said, do it. It was it's going to think about your next opportunity as a way of learning. Think about your next opportunity of what you can uh, not only provide the company, but also provide yourself professionally to grow yourself. If you're not challenged, you're not growing. And I, I've kind of done that my whole my, my whole career, but like I'm always adding another challenge to something. But then these challenges I'm adding, they're not stupid risks. I'm not betting everything on like a Bitcoin kind of thing. I'm actually taking calculated strategic risks. And so then there was a calculator risk to move out of consulting and start my own business. That was another strategic move that I have. But you can't do that uncalculated. You have to be very intentional about planning your finances. What does insurance look like? There's a lot of other unknowns. And again, on my own as a business owner, people are freaked out about insurance. It's not that big a deal. Like it's a it's an expense to you working on your own, but you can definitely work through it. You can figure it out. But working, you know, find figuring out what insurance things look like is not it's not in undiscoverable. So that's that's what, another piece of advice I'd give myself is keep taking those strategic risks. Don't worry like not don't worry about it, but like it's good to stretch yourself and be confident that the skills you're putting into yourself that is a marketable product. I I, I would 100% agree. And if you need some ideas, I, I I just wrote a blog about like building. How do you build your Power BI skills? Yeah. I go there. Like because Mike, what you reference is is adopting a learning mentality and investing in yourself. Yes. And that's what you're doing when you learn more and more about the tool. And and uh, I think that was a a perfect distance away from the product talking about insurance. <laughs> like a hundred percent it doesn't get any farther than that so but... we're really gonna divert here and talk about your options if you... <laughs> yeah i'm a high deductible plan kind of guy yeah <laughs> there's oh a whole there's God. a whole bunch of other things that kind of go along with that but i mean i, I think yeah i think there's some really your seth and i have done a, a lot of interviews we have mm -hmm. we've interviewed a lot of people and so we have seen a lot of talent come through who say they know Power BI. And when in reality, I, another advice for, for people who are either, if you're hiring people, tell people to share, like make sure that when you're doing an interview, require that they have Power BI desktop installed on their machine. Cause then you can actually check the version of their machine. And if they have a version of a desktop that's older than a month or two, you know, they haven't touched it in a while. Yeah. So that's one, one red flag for me. And the second thing is, you can actually ask them. There's actually, I love the new desktop because there's actually a way of actually having data added to it. So you can quickly navigate them through like clicking buttons. And so for me to know when someone really understands the program, I expect them to kind of know where the visuals are. And if I say a card, I expect you to know that. If I say a table, I expect you to know how to make one of these. And even writing some simple measures there. Like I feel like a lot of those skill things are like just kind of like, I want to see you doing it. So, anyways, those are those are sounds kind of, like a sounds like a whole nother topic. Oh yeah. man, I was <laughs> uh, true. I'm I'm diverging here. No, I was literally about to say the, and maybe this will prelude into next week. But if you, how many? No one's learning about this in college. So, like, if you were to ask some, I I kind of I almost it's changing, for someone though. who's like trying to get hired as a. Power BI data analyst. Obviously, they should know those things, but yeah. it's almost like the conversation we had uh, on Tuesday about just because you have certification does not mean you know the product, and just because someone can click in a bunch of places and they know where to click, yeah, you know, does not mean that they're going to be successful. True. Uh, so, what are those inherent, in a sense, things that you should look for? And I think, like the three of us, we all are in a sense, like we like to discover it is like, you know, the experiment, the, there were qualities there that helped us learn the product. Yeah. So, but again, that's, that is going into a different, different topic uh, altogether. on explicit uh, measure. Yeah. <laughs> I love so it. I, yeah, we are way past time. Speaking of, uh, the podcast and the future. Oh yeah. This is good. Do so, uh, great news! We for those who hate YouTube or cannot find to do it, 
Um, we are now in the process of having our podcast distributed to all of the pla podcast platforms. I'm sending this right now in the live chat. Um, but right now we're on Spotify. Woo. We are on, um, uh, what is it? Pot, not podcast, but, uh, Google's we're version, on right? it's pocket cast pocket cast. Yep. And we're on anchor and we're hopefully, uh, going to be on Apple in the next week or so, but all of our podcasts, obviously the audio are going to be, um, uploaded there the same day that we do the live event. So you can, you can now officially subscribe to the podcast. Oh man! Woohoo! Nice job, Tommy. So if you don't like our faces and you'd rather yeah. just hear us, <laughs> if you don't, if you don't like my glitchy video this morning. I don't know what's up with that. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> minor details. Still working out the kinks, I guess. But yeah, we're out. We're out on real podcasts now. So people are actually asking in the comments, uh, where can we actually hear the podcast and subscribe to it? So that that will be a thing, and we will have those out most likely the day of, maybe a day or so later behind the actual video podcast. So if you want to watch it live and ask questions, join us on YouTube. If you want to hear us uh, an audio only and laugh and and you know be silly with us <laughs> after the fact, <laughs> you can now catch us on Spotify and other Anchor and other uh, podcasts as well. Speaking of which, hey Anchor and, po and Spotify, we're looking for sponsors so you can come sponsor <laughs> us. <laughs> Not like they actually hear us anyways. They probably have. They're probably transcribing all of our words right now and, and trying to figure out who's who does who do we sponsor and who we don't. Anyways, there's a service in there. So. <laughs> Excellent. We're doing a lot of research. <laughs> You're awesome. Well, anyways, well, tell your friends about it to subscribe too. So we really want to grow this. We want to start doing yeah. mailbag. So yeah, give people the link so they can subscribe. Um, you know, but we're really excited about getting that now to the the other side of the coin where the podcast actually is. So <laughs> awesome. So for those of you who have joined us, we uh, we do a giveaway every week. So please make sure you like and subscribe to our YouTube channel where we have all these videos come out. And then we will pick a winner every week and give away some swag from swag.powerbay.tips, uh, as well as um, you can see when all the latest content comes out every Tuesday, Thursday at 7.30 a.m. Thank you all very much for another great podcast. Looking forward to talking to you again next week. we got to figure out some more topics. Or I've already primed the pump for some based on my, <laughs> my conversation. <laughs> awesome. We'll get that mail back soon. So Have a good weekend, guys. Take care. All right. Yep. See you Tuesday. See ya.